0: Well, it's always great to welcome on a friend of the show, Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. Nobody does a better job covering Kansas State, but he is a uh, wealth of knowledge. He'll be the first one to tell you that, by the way. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, as we cover the Big 12. And we'll talk K-State and all that good stuff, Tim. But... uh, I just want to get your reaction to the bowl season where this league is at. Of course, OU and Texas leave. They lose. Arizona looks like it's going to be in the mix come next season after their impressive season and bowl win. Just what are your general thoughts coming out of bowl season as we look ahead to a 16 team Big 12?
1: I'm optimistic in terms of where K State Sports is headed. Um what that means uh overall for how they, you know the football team fits into the new Big 12 will be interesting. I, it's going to be a really competitive, fun conference. And I, I've seen a lot of predictions about where the conference is headed for next year. And it looks like about five or six teams are kind of seen as the upper grouping and K-State is in that. KU's in that. It's going to be a really fun season coming up.
0: Well, think about this. I mean, I I, I think I could make the case for seven right now. KU, okay. K-State, okay. Uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Utah, Arizona, that's six, and uh, UCF. I could probably make the UCF case right there with what they got coming back. That's seven.
1: I I agree. It's incredible. It's just going to be chaos, and and that's the seven we think will be good. The Big 12 always has one or two teams that are like, you were totally wrong, and West Virginia (laughs) was that way this year.
0: Yes. Now, what do you think that means? This has been, I know, a – Sticking point for you in, in recent years, the way that college football media has protected the idea of what a blue blood is. Yeah. Um, the Big 12 doesn't have what college football media would perceive to be a blue blood. Right. How does the Big 12 cut through that? How do they brand around that, knowing the powers that be in college football have protected those blue bloods for a generation now?
1: That's a great question. Uh, just, just be people. Schedule those blue buds when you can or not the blue buds. maybe just the the ones that have been allowed to join the club who aren't really blue bloods. And what I mean by that is the true blue bloods are the ones that were here right after World War Two uh, became something in the 50s and 60s. That brand was all over. Those brands were all over what little TV existed in those days. I grew up watching Notre Dame. I grew up watching Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. Georgia, you know what the Blue Bloods are. They go back post-World War II when the soldiers came back and they they decided we're gonna have the biggest, baddest teams out there, and they kind of stayed that way. Nebraska would be among the blue bloods, even though they're not really that relevant now. But if you can start beating the Florida states and and you know get into games with those type of programs, Utah's been doing it in the Pac-12. And you know, I you could argue that K-State and Oklahoma State have done it. In this conference, Kansas, too, has beaten Texas and and in the past and Oklahoma this past season. So uh, you kind of just need to prove yourself over and over and over. And uh, I, I'm just uh, blown away. But let's put it this way, I'm blown away by the ratings for the Pop-Tart Bowl. I, I recognize that their incredible marketing of, you know, the sponsor was was key in that. Uh, but you had a matchup of a of a couple land grant schools that, you know, people don't typically think of be associated with blue bloods and that's Kansas state, North Carolina state. And, and uh, I think that shows a lot about uh, people will watch good football. They'll watch entertaining football and they, mm-hmm. they don't need a certain emblem on the side of that helmet to tell them to watch, but the network sure as hell think that's true. And so they schedule them into the best time slots and they get good ratings and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy over and over Uh, that, look, look at their ratings. Well, you put them in the best time slots on the best platforms. Of course they have ratings. Uh, Mm -hmm. So when you have opportunities like Kansas State did in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, put up numbers, and uh, that will take you somewhere.
0: Yeah, it will. Now, you mentioned Nebraska, and I've always thought that – and I know know you know plenty of Nebraska folks. I do too. They'll tell you they missed the Big 12. They just won't say it out loud. Do you think that OU and Texas fans – Will rue the day they left this conference?
1: I think Oklahoma will. I think Oklahoma's in big trouble. they're they're on a downward turn at the worst possible time. I mean they're they're heading into a a conference that I don't want to say it that way, but they're not going to be uh, the big bad wolf on on the block. They're just not going to be perceived that way. Uh, and so they they have to go out and prove it now, and I don't think they have the horses to prove it. I think they had a semi-successful season this year rooted in the fact that the schedule for them was incredibly kind and won't be true next year. I think Texas is at the right point. I think Texas is uh, going to not like the SEC, but not because they want to return to the Big 12, just because they're not going to get their way on everything, which they need to do to you know, feel good about themselves. Oklahoma, I think, is going to have a Nebraska-like competition issue uh, as they move into this. And now Nebraska is not even competitive with anyone. Uh, to be real honest. They're they're getting there. I think Matt Rule will get them there. But uh, once you lose that rope, it's hard to reel it back in. And that's, I'm afraid, where Oklahoma's headed.
0: Where do you think the rest of this league is? I mean, you think about the Angry Eight, as they were dubbed the summer of 21, when OU and Texas shockingly announced they were leaving. Where where do you think those presidents and athletic directors are, uh, and the people that you talk to, in terms of just Going into this 16-team league, on the same page, everyone's rowing in the same direction. Does it feel like the Big 12 is in that place for the first time in a long time?
1: They're better. Uh, I mean, you still got Utah, you know, sending out weird vibes out there. You know, basically admitting they don't want to be in the conference. They're looking forward to whatever's next, Uh, and that's that's not healthy. And I think once they get into the conference, they're going to discover, uh, yeah, you know what, this is okay. Because I think that's the same thing that. you know the other schools found out that it's they're fun places to go great fans and utah has great fans and i think as they get out on the road uh and they go to some of these venues they're going to realize oh, these fans are a lot like us more so than the pac-12 fans were because it, a lot of these schools didn't have fans uh you know not kind of numbers you you're going to see across this conference uh but i do remember uh, i think ucf and maybe even cincinnati fans saying they were going to run this conference and it didn't work out that way. And now I hear uh, you know, Utah fans say that. Maybe Arizona fans are a little more humble right now because they're just finally <laughs> catching up to everyone. But Utah fans are convinced they're going to run this conference. And look, uh, it, it's not that easy. It's, it's a nosebleed every week.
0: It is. Uh, Tim Fitzgerald's joining us. Go Power Cat. So, Avery Johnson, you know, obviously he's the guy now going forward at Kansas State at quarterback. You look back on that Pop-Tarts Bowl, and does it give you more confidence, less confidence, or does it not really change what you think he's going to be as the face of this program in 24?
1: I thought it was it was interesting that they were really careful with him. They didn't over um, – load him too much they didn't put him in peril a lot with the run game they held that back quite a bit I don't feel like they showed a lot in the passing game uh and you know they told him just just throw it away and go to the next play let's stop making mistakes mistakes are worse than almost any big play you can make um and so he played with a you know his his hands tied to a degree and they still won he was MVP um and that tells me that his mediocre Uh, which I think that was kind of his mediocre, to be honest, his his okay, his passable. And that was good enough for a win and notable enough for an MVP performance. He's got a lot more to do, a lot more he can do, he will do to learn. Um, And I I think there's just going to be the more he sees, he's going to soak it up. So I'm, I'm really optimistic about this team.
0: How about the uh, the Matt Wells news that came down? You guys broke it about um, him and Kansas State, uh, re- or not reconnecting, but you know him and Chris Kline yeah. go back. I, I see a lot of negative negativity around it, but to me, uh, you know, Texas Tech was just a bad fit for him. The guy didn't yeah. forget football. He was at Oklahoma. Uh, how does he change things at all with Kansas State?
1: Well, it gives you an experienced play caller. You, get, you know, if that's going to be his role, and I think that'll be his role. He will share the offensive coordinator title, I believe, with Connor Riley. But um, he gives you someone that's been around the block. He was highly successful as a coach and a head coach at Utah State, his alma mater. Coached a really elite young quarterback and Jordan Love. Um, <clears throat> got him there. And I, I think that is, a you know, a, a lot of comparable things there about how the work he did with Jordan Love. So um, I, I'm not worried about the Texas Tech stuff at all. That, that so much of being successful as a head coach is do you fit in uh, at your institution? And it just kind of sounds like he was a hire that didn't stick. They just mm-hmm. People didn't rally behind him. And uh, the way they fired him indicates to me that it was a cultural thing. I mean, he was at five wins when they fired him. Uh, so they were almost excited they could get rid of him before he got eligible.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So what about where this program is at? It just just across the board under Chris Kleiman, you know, uh, there was a, odds were put out this week. It has Kansas State with the best odds to get to the college football playoff and of any Big 12 team next year. I mean, it's crazy to think about this, but a couple of years into Chris Kleiman's tenure, people wondered if he was going to be the guy. Now, a couple of years later, um, you know, wins the Big Twelve last year, another good season this year, and this program is poised to be in that upper echelon of the Big Twelve. I don't see anything changing that, but what has Chris Kleiman done so effectively that has allowed him to basically have this program in a position to compete year in, year out?
1: Coming out of the pandemic season, they had a they had a culture issue. They 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 saw their locker room go sideways a little bit. There was so much know social stuff going on around and uh it crept into the locker room and you know invaded their football space so to speak and once once you have that happen it's bad they cleaned it up remarkably fast they have a really strong culture in that locker room i think the bowl game the bowl performance shows that with so many new guys having to step up and play but then a lot of the older guys sticking around to play um, and I, I think as long as they can maintain that culture they have good leadership Starting with Avery Johnson, who's a remarkable leader for a young guy. Um, And as long as they get good leadership from their players, uh, they've got some dudes in the system. They need to keep bringing in some dudes. This last year's recruiting class, the 2023 class, is going to provide a lot of players not named Avery Johnson or Jace Brown. Uh, There's a lot of guys in that class who are going to be big factors moving forward.
0: All right. Will Howard. Um, what do you, I mean, you take me through that. Was it really just K-State couldn't keep both guys in an NIL world? Um, was it him wanting to move on? I mean, was it both sides agreeing this is the best move because he's still kind of floating around out there. He's got the Ohio state visit coming up. What, what was that all about and how's it going to work out for him?
1: Well, I'm fascinated. He hasn't picked a school yet because he's had opportunities. Um, this was a case of will knowing what everyone else in that locker room knew. Avery Johnson was going to be the quarterback. I mean it was undeniable what they were seeing in practice. And, and I think we we saw will get threatened by it and got, kind of get defensive as the season went. He didn't understand why he wasn't you know getting his full turn. Uh, and it became clear clear to everyone that <clears throat> your turn's over, man. Uh, this is going to be Avery's team next year. Nobody had to say it out loud. Um, Nobody had to push him anywhere. Uh, It wasn't NIL related. It was, okay, I'm going to move on. It might be the NFL, which he's still tinkering with, hoping to get a senior bowl invitation. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's getting kind of late for that. And uh, I think he'll probably end up with Ohio State since, you know, they're bringing him in to take a look-see. And that's closer to home. That seems like a better fit. That's a pretty big stage. That was his other option. I don't know where the NIL lands for him there, but, it's an interesting idea. He just needed his next challenge, and he, he knew that uh, Avery was coming, and that it would be uh, either Avery full time or Avery shared time, and he didn't want to do either one of those.
0: Tim Fitzgerald's joining us. So, but does that mean,
1: like, I don't know? I
0: see the the terrible uh, transfer move of like Spencer Sanders. He goes Oklahoma State to Ole Miss, and never never really plays. Um, I mean, is Will Howard going to these schools, if he goes to an Ohio state, knowing he's the starter next year, or is he going to be beat out by some five-star stud that, you know, Ohio state fans know that we probably don't. And then he's sitting in the same position he would have been in, in Manhattan.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. The second he started looking at, um, USC, their five-star got into the portal. Um, but then their other backup had an incredible ball game. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, he kind of uh, that competition lifts the, all the boats and that happened to Spencer Sanders at Ole Miss. I don't think Will will get himself into that position, uh, but we'll find out. I don't know their quarterback situation. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think uh, Will Howard can be uh, one of the better Big Ten quarterbacks from what I've seen from that conference. I am not. Uh, enamored with many quarterbacks I've seen out of that conference.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Um, all right, Tim, I want to ask you some basketball stuff here. Just yeah. broadly speaking, we'll talk in the season about the actual hoops on the court, but I don't think we've talked about it. uh The Big 12 this year, for folks that don't know, are going to have the Big 12 women's tournament the week before the men's tournament in Kansas City. Normally, uh, you've got the men's tournament going on at T-Mobile Center. You have the women going on at Municipal Auditorium. And for fans, they can kind of bounce back and forth and follow their teams. I think this is a huge mistake. It's not Brett Yormark's fault. It was implemented before him. But I'm just thinking from a fan perspective, who can take off two weeks for basketball? And then it also may result in less media coverage for the women. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not fully up to speed on that one, but... Uh, I going to be a hard push to move this tournament and um i know that all the new schools coming in are like hey las vegas is amazing uh and now the the football media days is moving out there due to scheduling conflicts so uh it's just such a good event it's one of those events you got to come to to see um and i think the women will lose some just general interest you know people that are in for the men's game and go over there um but every time i have tried to do the women separately independently it just hasn't worked it just hasn't it hasn't um been attended as at the levels they would want and um I, you know i i think i go back to the days of the, the big eight tournament the women's tournament used to be in my hometown of salina kansas and everyone was like why are you playing in salina kansas because it was a big deal i mean people from town would would show up and and they just went to watch good basketball, and there would even be groups that would pick schools that you know that were coming in that didn't have a fan base nearby. So it was kind of fun. Uh, I, if the women go separate, they need to just carve out their own marketplace and and own it. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not sure that uh, the Big Twelve women's tournament, as scattered as these schools are now, is ever going to be a huge draw.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of Vegas, you mentioned it there. I know this is a little more inside baseball, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Big 12 Media Days going from Dallas to Vegas—does um, that make any sense to you? What do you see that being for the Big 12—a wash, or is it positive or negative?
1: It, it's a strange selection in terms of uh, the geography of the conference. I mean, you go hard west with that. Um, I mean, you could have moved it up to any city in in the conference you know, that has the venue. But I think Brett Yormark's thinking, uh, you know, the, about the bigger picture. He wants the the top sports writers there. Uh, and the Big 12 was the one that they often skipped for whatever reason. Uh, they'd go to the Pac-12 because it was in Vegas. And so I'm intrigued by what they do with it. They're, they're um, you know, looking to for a big venue. They've talked about the sphere, for heaven's sakes. You know, if not Allegiant Stadium, uh, I'm a can we just have our press conferences in the hotel where we're staying instead of having to travel all over whatever city we're in? Um, I'm, I'm that type of grumpy old man now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I really seriously think UNLV was a little bit in the mix and it was mixed by the presidents. Because I think Brad Yormark has a real value in Las Vegas uh, in trying to be present there uh, as, you know, this world of sports betting erupts. In in the hometown of all of that, I think it's really important to him.
0: You think so? That's where you think this, you know, mega basketball conference of Gonzaga and does that entertain UNLV? You think those are five, 10 year plans potentially of your marks?
1: Yeah, I I think that mega basketball thing is only awaiting after this contract's up when they have to go negotiate a new one because he's seeing a world in which the Big 12 has a separate basketball. A contract. And, you know, I think we've seen Turner put their foot into the water now with the, the, the USC K-State game out in Vegas. I think there's some interest from Turner if they lose part of that NBA package going into investing in a conference. He's tied to Turner. He's got a great history with those people. And I, I think that's the play. He would like to move the Big 12 basketball to a natural national platform and get the kind of treatment that Turner could give them uh, as an elite basketball product, much like ESPN is going to do for the SEC in football. Um, and I think it's a good play. And then, you know, your football probably still be on ESPN and Fox.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, that's going to be fun to watch it all play out. He is Tim Fitzgerald. Does a great job with Go Power Cat. Make sure you're checking those guys out for everything Kansas State. Uh, Tim, it's always great to have you on, my friend. Thanks so much for the time. Good brother. Before you leave, could you do me a solid here in the new year? and uh, help us get to 800 ratings on iTunes. Hit that five-star before you leave, before you sign out of the show and go to your next podcast. What do you say? Do me a solid. That's all I'm asking for you here. New year, new show, still a lot of content, and that helps us out tremendously. Hit the five-star on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want the Heartland College Sports Koozie, send me a screenshot of a rating and a review on iTunes. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will hook you guys up. Thanks so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.